Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. It's Monday, January the 9th. I'm Tony Haggerty, a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle, as you can see. And I'm joined today, three amigos reassembled once again. And it's joined by Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW and Aidan McDonald at Aidan C. McDonald on the Twitter handles. Guys, how are we doing? Not bad, Tony. Not bad. Yourself? Yes. Good weekend. Yeah, there might be that. some banging and clattering behind you because Castle Haggard is getting an upgrade, is it? Castle Haggard is getting another upgrade. Yes, I'm getting a new back garden and new living room flooring and hall flooring laid. So, nice. really banging and clanging. I'll try and mute myself and take it off the, or get the noise off the screen. So, hopefully, it won't be too bad. But, gentlemen, we'll discuss the Commander game in full in a minute. Uh, Celtic win 2 nothing and keep their nine-point lead at the top of the Scottish Premiership. But first and foremost, I'll draw your attention to the strap line running along the bottom. Still got the festive deal going on, and you can get 25% off the yearly subscription rate, which takes that down to £26 by subscribing to the Celtic Way, or you can enjoy two months of access to everything on the pod for just £1. And all you have to do is click a button. You know what we always say every day. Click that button, guys. Subscribe. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And in addition to that, I'll just throw this over to Sean. Sean, <laughs> we have a new sponsor, do we not? Uh, we certainly do, Tony. I'll just flash it up on the screen there. And I've been officially... Oh, yeah officially assured by the marketing guys that this is not them trying to tell me something <laughs> uh, but yes the Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group uh, Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe <laughs> and Seneca Medical Specialists perform innovative hair restoration treatments under strict protocols their aim is to offer you the final solution for your hair loss problem and they've treated over 43,000 people so far uh, you can find out more about Seneca via the link in the description of this video, but very happy to have them. And as I say, been been assured by the marketing guys that it is not a hint. Well, I'm doing okay. My hair here's all right for the minute. Aiden, you look okay. I think I don't get look, that. Don't look. I think I get that from my old man. Sean, I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Plead the fifth on that one. Seneca Medical Group, we thank you for the sponsorship. That's very kind. Cheers, guys. Now, gentlemen, a game of association football took place in Glasgow's East End on Saturday. Celtic 2, Kilmarnock 0, goals from Jota and a known goal by Ash Taylor or Kyogo Furuhashi, if you're being kind. Uh, Kilmarnock made a game of it. The first half, Sean took Celtic until first half injury time to get the breakthroughs from Jota, but what a lovely goal it was too. Great pass from Alexandra Banabe, a tremendous centre by Maida and Jota making that near post run, getting in front of his marker and scoring. And Celtic scored one just prior to that as well when Aaron Moy played in Jota and Jota did a bit just slightly offside. But I was interested in the fact that since the manager has said guys not making those runs, it's uh, they, they seem to be making those runs galore, Sean, don't they? And uh, getting a lot of joy from it. I he obviously he obviously identified that as something they were almost slacking in in a way. Uh, I still don't think it was a, a Kyogo uh, hint. I think it was I think it was more the, the rest of the team because he is always buzzing about in there. He's almost always just within the 
the um, the yeah. post when there's a when there's a ball about the box. But even that, it's uh, if if someone else is running into the box, like you seen it with the the goal the other night. Um, uh, Yakimakis makes a run to the front post, meaning people follow him, and Kyogo can do that thing where he drops back slightly, and he's in all the space in the world and can just tap it in there. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think you made a point of that in terms of the the, the Kelly performance overall. Of course, two 0 could have been more comfortable throughout against another team that that offered very little in an attacking sense. I think we can all agree. Uh, I noted in the data round up they had fewer passes completed than Aberdeen a few weeks ago, and we knew what we, we thought about that Aberdeen performance a few weeks ago. Um, only two shots. Joe Hart had no saves. Uh, I put out on Twitter both Carol Starfield and Alexandro Bernabe completed more passes than the whole Kilmarnock team. Uh, individually, not combined. Individually, the two of them completed more uh, than the whole Kilmarnock team. So, I, in that sense, Kilmarnock offered nothing. Uh, but I do think two 0 was was comfortable, but it could have been more if not for the woodwork. <laughs> yes, Aiden, second half, it was a game of two halves, surely wasn't it? Celtic got their noses in front, uh, first half, but second half, one way traffic, and could and should have been more. Yeah, there should have been quite a few goals. I do feel sorry for anybody who had 3 0 on their coupon, to be honest, when James Flores missed those at the end. That must have been a sore one. But yeah, the first half wasn't great, but obviously they get the goal through Jota. Then the second half was much improved. I know we're going to come on and talk about individual performances, but I thought particularly a couple of players were really, really good in the second half. So yeah, first half not too good, but second half was definitely an improvement, Tony. You say that, Tony, um, about, about it being. A, a game of two halves. I think Ange Postecoglou got it spot on after the game when he said that the first half was sticky or stodgy or whatever the word they w- was that he used and that they weren't doing it in the final third because if you read the, the data roundup that I talked about that I put on the website, you can see from just from a purely data point of view that although they scored the best chance and created the best chance of the game in the first half, they only took four shots in total and then they came out for the second half and made 21 chances and uh, he called it. I think he called them out on it and they responded is what I take from that. I, I think he, he got it bang on uh, totally and you know, we'll come to his reaction mm-hmm. uh, in a minute. But individual performances, Aidan, anyone stick out for you in particular? Probably the obvious one. I thought Hitati was really good, particularly in the second half. He got man of the match, uh, the sponsors man of the match in the stadium. I think it was well-deserved. Also, he was involved in the second goal, getting the assist. Some of his movement and his passing was really good. Sort of helped open up those spaces, which when you're playing a team like Kumar, it's what you have to do to try and sort of move the ball quickly, get it side to side. So, yeah, I thought he was probably one of the standouts. I actually thought Kyogo did quite well overall. I know we'll maybe go on to debate whether or not it was his goal uh, for the second one, but I thought he was quite good. They were probably my sort of two standouts in terms of attacking uh, defensively. I thought Carter Vickers, once again, was really, really solid, as he is most games. I know he picked up a slight knock on his uh, on his face near the end, and I've all kind of summed it up. He was just solid the whole time. He had some really, really good tackles, and his passing was excellent. So, yeah, overall, that was probably my three main players, I would say. Uh, you agree with that? I, I actually thought that Alistair Johnson did very well, too, mm-hmm. his home his home debut. And, uh, yeah, I thought Maida and Jota buzzed yeah. around with some decent energy and gave Celtic a wee lift when they needed it most. But uh, Carter Vickers in particular, there was there was one in the first half where he got a rapturous applause. He just took the ball off 
of your man up front, didn't he? Vasso at one point, it was just, it, it was actually quite funny. Kind of ragged off them. I just went, oh, if you're not going to do anything with it, just give me the ball. And Celtic <laughs> fans kind of love that about them, don't they? That, but I mean, as you say, I mean, we joke about Cameron Carter Vickers eight, but he is he's, he's, he's very really not an eight. I know, but he's a role model of consistency, isn't he? Mm. You know, let's let's be honest. Yep, um, I think apart from apart from the guys, I mean, I, I agree with, with Aidan about Hatati. I think his movement was superb. That uh, see that we shuffle past a defender in a very tight space near the byline that he's doing quite regularly now. That's that's fast becoming a trademark, like the kind of cross field pass that he likes to play. But it's five a side stuff. To be honest, it's really impressive to see it in a top flight game. Uh, but I mean, statistically, the most key passes, even though it doesn't get an official assist because that goes down as an Ash Taylor own goal, that kind of thing. Um, but I thought he had a good game. I think he was deserving of the man of the match. Tony, I agree with you. I thought Maida um, just continued that good form. He was direct. He got an assist. But he also absolutely relished that battle with Lewis Mayo, um, the right-back for Kelly. The two of them came out as the players, the two players with the most combined tackles and interceptions. Maida's a winger. Do you know what I mean? Like, Maida's a winger. And on top of that, it was basically a complete for, for performance from him in terms of he was doing that kind of stuff, which he always does, but then he was getting forward, beating his man, and he got an assist. So I, I, I would pick the two of them out. I agree again, Tony Johnston. I thought he was everywhere. Um, you can tell he's really up for trying to embrace that inverted stuff. I think it will take him a bit of time. And I think that was a test that he's probably not really encountered before in terms of basically a whole 90 minutes spent trying to break down an opponent rather than rather than really having to defend for periods. Because he, did, he didn't really have to. Um I do think, as I say, it'll take him a bit of time to get used to the schemes and stuff because I think he was playing it a bit safe at times and that meant that Carter Vickers was ended, ended up sitting a bit deeper than, than usual as a result, especially considering the opponents. But um, I, I think I think that that's the main ones for me. Besides that, I thought Yakimakis did well in his half hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never... I mean, that, that was almost... A, what, 25, 20-odd 20 yarder right in at the top scratcher, if not for the, the, the post. I thought it was a save initially, but off the post and he took the most shots in the game despite only being on for about half an hour so mm. I think uh, his commitment cannot be questioned in that sense yeah the manager name check Maida after actually he said doesn't matter how many times Maida yeah and, I, uh, he, he goes down the line he, he's going to do it again and again and again and uh, whether he, he's successful or not which I quite like because it's obviously some guys don't get the credit because they're maybe not as high profile or prolific as others but I like the fact that he kind of name checked mind and the fact that he's on a wee bit of a purple patch just now and yeah I mean Jack and Marcus did everything but score didn't he yeah. on Saturday and uh, you text that to me in the in the group chat you said I felt really sorry for uh, Jack and Marcus yeah. didn't you because as you say you can't uh, can't question his commitment there Aiden manager says when players are rotated and or they come off the bench they've got to be ready to do a job and I think you saw by Giacomacchus' reaction himself that he wanted a goal, whether or not he wanted a goal, and that was him signing off. We don't know. But there's all sorts of rumours about Urawa Red Diamonds in the J-League. He didn't uh, circulating about uh, Georges Giacomacchus. And it would be sad to see him go, because I still think he's got a lot to bring to the table and what will be will be. But it, there seems to be all roads pointing in that direction at the minute, doesn't it? Yeah, in terms of just his performance against Kilmarnock at the weekend, I, I do agree. You could you can't question his commitment. He was he did everything except score. Really, he was everywhere. Had a couple of chances. Obviously, I don't think I've ever seen him strike a ball so sweetly. That one that hit the block. 
it was uh, excellent. So, yeah, in terms of his recent performances, I've not had any issues with him. Uh, obviously, I know we're going to probably go on to speak about uh, his link to the J-League. It would be disappointing to see him go. Obviously, this has kind of been a story that hasn't really went away since before the transfer window even opened, going back to really the start of last month, before Christmas, etc. He's, I think we've spoken kind of at length. He's been a really important player for Celtic in his time here. When he first came in, obviously, didn't feature that much, but then last season when Kyogo was out, uh, particularly that sort of January to April time, he was so important and his goals were a massive part of the team ultimately winning the league. So it would be disappointing if he, if he was to move on, but there does seem to be some legs in it, whether or not it's to the J-League, I don't know, but the fact that the sort of links don't seem to be going away across several clubs does make me think maybe there is a wee bit more in it than I initially thought. Mm. Sean, are you surprised that it's come to this with Jack and Marcus? Are you because like I actually thought that they would get round the table and thrash out some compromise yeah. agreement and, and everybody, all parties would be happy, but is there more to this that we don't know? Do you think there's more to this or is it just a question of a man wanting regular first team football and possibly some more money? I'm speculating here. I, I don't know. I couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly comment on if there's anything else. I mean, you, you said in your piece when you said you were hoping they would get around the table, ultimately the only people you'd really need to hear from are either Yakimakis mm. himself or uh, Ange or uh, Michael Nicholson. Now, Ange Postacoglu was asked about Yakimakis after the game and uh, all right, he came out with the line about he doesn't get attached to players because when he was a young manager, his favourite player gets sold two games into the and his, his his tenure and stuff like that, so he doesn't he doesn't grow to love them that that kind of thing. Whatever the phrase was that he said, yeah. but on Yakimakis, it was unequivocal that as it stands, he's basically given him no reason not to not to have him in the squads and not to put him on. And it's just a it's just a shame for him that Kyogo's scoring every week, um, which means he can't start him. Uh, but he did mention that his commitment hasn't been uh, hasn't been something that he's been led to question. And I mean, when he came on and, and Saturday, that that would back that up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've said before that, yeah, the only we will find out is when the player and the manager speaks, if and when he does decide or choose to, to leave Aden. You know, uh, I was reading today, former Celtic player Chris Commons has said, mm-hmm. when you leave Celtic, you know, it's, you know, there's nothing like Celtic. And I've we've spoken about this on this pod and we've said, uh, you know, be be careful what you wish for. Even Ange himself has said, "Good luck trying to find that kind of happiness elsewhere." And it's a big, big thing to give up if that's what you want to do. Uh, you know, I I I thought Jack and Marcus' attitude on Saturday was spot on. It was excellent, and he did make a difference, and he wanted to make a difference, and he was really unlucky. So I'm I'm of the opinion that as long as you're still playing for the club and you're pulling on the Celtic jersey, then give your all what will be will be at the end of this this window uh, and I would be really sad to see him go because I think he, he still could be a vital player for Celtic but if he decides he wants to leave then it's, it's clearly his decision and the board's decision and the manager's decision Yeah, if he wants to move on there's not really a lot the club can do except try and find him a move that involves Celtic getting a good chunk of money out of it If, if he is going to leave then the way he's been going about it in terms of he's, he's on the pitch contribution is the way to do it. I think all the games after the uh, winter break that was in place for the World Cup, he's came on. I know he's. Made, I don't think he's scored since football's uh, returned, or domestic football's returned, I should say, but I think in all those games, his commitment's been really good. He's been getting himself about, wanting to make things happen, and 
if if he's going to move on, then the way he's been going about it on the pitch, I don't think anybody can have any complaints and say he's not trying because he has been involved and he was very unlucky not to get one, if not two goals at the weekend. So yeah, that's the way to do it. If if a player's moving on, make sure you're still putting a hundred percent effort on the pitch because that will help you get a better move as well. At the, at the club that you're potentially trying to go to, showing you're not throwing the toys out the pram. Kaiser comes in with that comment, Sean. Do you agree with that, or are you, is that another way of looking at it? I think that that's one way of looking at it. Beach Boys has got the other way of looking at it, which <laughs> is that maybe he knows he's in a short window. So I can see I can see why both would think each yeah. each, uh, each opinion. Uh, all I would say is objectively, he is obviously trying, and and I thought he played well in his half hour. And I do think that as Postecoglou, when he, he mentions Kyogo's scoring form, I think that's just being honest. You, you can't really drop a striker that is scoring every game he plays. Um, which, all right, OK, there was a, there was a period earlier on the season. A small period, by the way, despite what despite what was being kind of made out in the narrative, where Kyogo was maybe not quite hitting the heights, and, and that's maybe when you would think, right, Yakimaki should be in. But ultimately, 16 goals this season. I take it we're not giving him that one yesterday. Uh, Saturday, sorry. Um, I don't think so, no. So, and he's, he's scored, what is it, nine opening goals now, is it, this season? I can't remember. It might not be. Don't, don't quote me on that one. The guy's just playing very consistently well and scoring well consistently. So, I think Ange Postecoglou was just being honest when he said that's the reason he's not been getting starts. Um, that might not, that may be scant consolation to Yakimakis right enough. But in terms of the Urawa Red Diamonds link, um, did it surprise me? Maybe, but I suppose it almost kind of... There's no reason to think that that would be a non-starter because we, if we're operating in, in that market, why would they not be looking at Celtic and going, well, we're op- operating that market as well? Um, sure. There might be strikers that are maybe not quite getting the game for Celtic that will be able to come and adapt and play in, in the J1 league, which is a very good league, um, as we've seen by the quality of player that, that Celtic have, have, have recruited from it. But... Again, I pointed this out when it when the Mitchell and Link came up. That although people were kind of disappointed, I think a lot of them that the the apparent the reported fee that Celtic are, are wanting is maybe a wee bit lower than what they thought. Um, I think it was reported that Celtic were wanting between five and six million pounds for them. Uh, that was going to be a, a transfer record for Mitchell, and it would be a transfer record for the Rubber Red Diamonds as well. They've, they've, I think the most they've spent is four and a half, four point four million. Um, before and friend of the show Tony your, your, your man uh, Dana Orlovitz I noticed that he was tweeting he's always very knowledgeable about this stuff he made the point that although he could, he could see it happening from a, a point of view of Urawa Red Diamonds as a club and Yakimax as a player that kind of thing um, they would maybe encounter a problem with a foreign player quota if they did sign him so there's that to think of as well and, and, and different things. So there's all these things that have got to come together for it um, and I just would point out that it would be a record fee for them um, which is always worth looking into. Well, there's some banging. I'm just trying to time my <laughs> my speeches in between the banging there. Now, give me a second. Aidan, Jack and Marcus, not the only one who has been linked with a move away and reports are saying that uh, Josip Juranovic is close to a deal, a loan deal with a seven million move to Italian club Monza. That a strange one for you as well. Certainly a strange one for me. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, or maybe not, well, based off sort of these performances at the World Cup and uh, the links that were coming into place just after that, I think maybe they thought he may be going to a slightly bigger club. 
I know it's also going to going to play in the Italian league. I understand that, but yeah, that and the sort of structure of the deals maybe a wee bit of a surprise to me anyway. I know this is obviously this particular link has been in place for a couple of weeks or so now, or at least at least a week anyway. It's not just like a fresh one from over the weekend, but that you know the the loan move and then seven million. I think everybody would be hoping Celtic would be able to get a wee bit more money given how much he's got on his uh, contract. The fact that his stock has risen. I think we discussed it briefly off air that it's probably not going to be the massive fee that people were hoping for, but I think everybody would be expecting Celtic to be hoping to get at least ten million plus for him. And the fact that it's going to be about seven with him then going on loan for six months until the end of the season, that would be a wee bit I'd be quite disappointed to be honest if that's what would happen in terms of the actual deal. I also thought he'd probably want to aim a bit high on terms of where he was going, but yeah, obviously I know it could be to do with wages and that, etc. as well. But yeah, I, I'm quite surprised, Tony. And I, I don't know about used to, but I, I would be quite disappointed if that was the, the fee as well. Uh, Tony, Max Stark comes in and says, seven million seems way too low, and why would they let him go on loan? It doesn't make sense. I mean, it's an odd way to do it, but it's not unheard of. If it's an obligation to buy, you're getting your seven million, but it would be... In- July rather than um, rather than in, in January, but and these things are always installments anyway. You very rarely ever get the full full amount. But it is, it is an odd way to do it. Um, I suppose you could say that that's exactly how Celtic got Maida last January. Um, that was an obligation we alone in January. Uh, so uh, Yokohama F Marinos knew they were going to get that couple of million or whatever it was come the come Celtic summer. Um, it's, again, it's not unheard of the seven million fee part. I think will disappoint a lot of people. Um, it's lower than the Nasses, and I know I was always on the kind of lower end of the spectrum anyway. But it is lower than what I, I would have expected as well. Uh, again, I want to point out the transfer record. Monza's is is about four million or so, so it would be a substantial transfer record for them. That said, and this is I've seen a lot of people saying they're a, a smaller Italian club. They are, but they're also backed by Silvio Berlusconi. Um, so they might be sitting fifteenth in Serie A just now, but their ambitions lie beyond that. So I suppose that that's something you take into consideration. Uh, but I, I think aiding to basically basically reinforce what you were saying there, the World Cup effect, if nothing else, because you know you all know what I was saying about this kind of checklist, and he's twenty eight. Well, he was going to be twenty eight at the time. He now is twenty eight. Um, he's all the players ever going to be. Nobody's going to be paying for the potential because he's not going to get any better. That kind of thing. Uh, but Celtic had the the benefit of a longer contract where they could ask for more. The World Cup effect, I thought, might peak that a wee bit. So seven million is quite disappointing in that sense. Um, if that is indeed what he ends up going for, if he goes, um, so I, I agree, agree wholeheartedly with that. But in terms of it, a loan, a loan with an obligation to buy, I don't think it makes all that much difference if that's the way they go about it, as long as it's an obligation and not an option, because you don't want him to go and they hold a seven million option to buy, and then he doesn't play that well. And then they're never going to exercise it, especially if it's a club record. So it needs to be an obligation, I think, if it's going to be that method. Lots of banging in the background. That's why I'm not talking. But I agree with that <laughs> wholeheartedly. I'll agree with that wholeheartedly. Like an obligation, not an option. Uh, I'm trying, as I say, not to disrupt the podcast with banging in the background. But yeah, I agree with that. Aidan, do you agree with that obligation, not an option? Uh, yeah, if that's just going to be the sort of way the deal's working, you definitely don't want to have an option to buy because. You then basically lose six months if he goes there and struggles or gets injured. That's six months that you've then lost on trying to sell your anime, which is peak value, which I think we've all kind of agreed. As much as I had obviously said I didn't want to leave at times, 
particularly during the World Cup, uh, if they are going to sell them, in terms of the club bringing in funds that they can hopefully then reinvest to use elsewhere, this is probably the peak time to do it. Maybe between now and the summer, but definitely between those two sort of time frames, the, the now would probably be the time they would get command the most transfer fee. So, yeah, I would definitely be hoping that if this is the sort of structure of the deal, it's an obligation to buy, not a option, because you're basically just potentially that's six months you get to the summer and then if it's an option and he's, he's not done well or he's got injured, then you've lost more time off the deal. So, yeah, definitely obligation to buy Tony if that's the way the deal's working. I think that Ibrook's uh, performance showed you that you put in an obligation and not an option because, you know, players can... Shares can go up as well as down. Players can be hot and cold, can't they? And you've gone from uh, a cracking display against Brazil in the World Cup to the Ibrook's performance. So, yeah. it, it's, as you say, Sean, these are the things that affect value, isn't it? You know, made Fashi Sakala look better than Vinicius <laughs> Junior, I suppose you could argue if you, if you were that way inclined. But... No, um, I think from Celtic's point of view, as as the selling club in this situation, you want it as an obligation. You don't want it as an option. Celtic have had the benefit of both in the last yes. maybe couple of years. Uh, with Jota, it was an option to buy, but it was at a designated price. So once yes. Jota says he wants to come, you're like, All right, no bother, six and a half or whatever it was. Um, that, that's, a, that's a snap. That's fine. That's good for Celtic. Um, with Maida, it was an obligation. You knew what you were paying. And again, the way he ended last season... There's every chance it would ended up higher the way they end the way that he played last season if they hadn't agreed it already. Uh, with this season, you've got Maurice Jens, which I can I say that the time when he when he signed, he, he never compared himself to Leonardo Bonucci, but it says he, he liked to model his game on that type of centre back, and I'd say he'd never really played like that in in senior football, so it would be his chance to show that he can do that. The fact that it was an option to buy for Celtic. Uh, rather than an obligation, meant that it was almost a suck it and see. If he does do what he says he can do, then fine, you exercise your option to buy. And if he doesn't, no harm done, he goes back to back to France. So you, Celtic can get the benefit of it from both ways. But if it's a selling club situation, you you just you want it as an obligation. You don't want an option at all. Correct. I would I would I would go along with that. Indeed. Now we play the same opponents this weekend, and we'll get into that further down the line and further this week. But I think Ange touched upon that, didn't he, in his reaction? It was strange to play the same opponents, but he came away with that wonderful line, didn't he, Sean, that it was not his desire. It was his... uh, What did he say again? He's talking about the treble and stuff. uh, uh, It's not about my desire, it's about the responsibility. Responsibility, that's the word he used. And I did a an opinion piece on that after it, but I actually quite liked that. I thought it was mm-hmm. quite a, a good quote, and also the fact that he he was making the point, Aidan, that this Celtic team's full of might be full of talent, as people say, but it's also full of hard workers. I quite like that too. And he said that you know we'll this Celtic team will run about for a hundred minutes, and you better be prepared to match that that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, I was quite delighted with that. And whilst I'm not saying Celtic will win the treble, they will they will give their all in their pursuit of that. That's what I meant. And that's what he was asked. You know, was his desire to win the treble? He said, it's not a desire, it's my responsibility. And that's the unwritten contract. You know, he says, it's not in the contract. He said, but they may as well have put, it, put the clause in there, which which is very good. And it just shows you the thinking, thinking of the manager and the players. Yeah, it sort of sums up the mentality of Ange in the squad since... 
uh, the manager came in in summer 2021 since a lot of the players have came in in the sort of subsequent transfer windows and it, I'm glad that as a factor because if you want to try and win even just one trophy, whether it be the league or whatever, never mind a double or even a treble, you need to work hard. So it's a good thing that it's an important factor for the team and the squad. And obviously the manager dealt with that question quite well. He's not just going to come out and say, oh, we're going to win the treble or anything like that, uh, because that would not be something that could age well potentially. So, yeah, it it's obviously something that all the fans are considering. There's still a long way to go and a lot of football to be played, but I think Celtic are sitting in a good position at the moment that that hopefully after the game next week, this weekend coming, sorry, I should say, that I'll maybe one step closer to ticking one of the, the first boxes of that potential free trophies coming into the season. Sean, Tony, I brought up um, the question he was asked. Say that again? I only brought that up because that's the question. Aye, that was the, that was the question he was asked, yep. Um, and I think Aidan's right, his response was probably what you would want his response to be. Uh, <laughs> but I think it will be a different type of game on in, in Saturday. Uh, yep. Am I right in saying Kyle Lafferty's back? He is indeed. After his yeah. back, what was yeah. it against? Yeah. Um, aye, so he always poses a, a problem for good or ill for his team. Sometimes it's good for them, sometimes it's bad for them. Um, obviously, we'll be hoping it's bad for Kilmarnock, but I think it will be a different type of game. At, at the end of the day, there is a there is a difference between going to Parkhead in a league game and going to Hamden in a semi final. Fans will be more likely to accept you going and, and trying to shut up shop at Parkhead in a league game, but in a semi final that there there is no draw in a semi final. You need you need to win it. Mm. Even if it, even if your plan is to take it to penalties, you still you, you need to win it at some point. It's not the same. Um, then I think I think they will need to try something a wee bit different. Derek McInnes is all right at Hamden, not against Celtic. But um, but he has got previous in Hamden semi-finals. Usually it's against the other side of the city, right? Enough rather than rather than Celtic, which was usually the final that he was getting beat in. But you never know, um, and I do expect it by a different type of game. I was just going to put this up for you, Tony. Um, Anthony Aitken says he thought you were disagreeing with me and banging the table. Uh, I must say, Tony, there's a fair amount of comments that are listening to the noises coming through your house and are totally willing to believe ill of you. Who's locked in the wardrobe? That kind of thing. Have you kidnapped uh, George Oshiakamakis? John Hill says, has Tony kidnapped the VAR team in the van and they're being concreted under the new kitchen? Using <laughs> 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 your whole sorts in these comments, Tony. I uh, just want to clarify, the new kitchen's finished. So I'm now getting a new oh, back garden. Why are still kicking about? <laughs> a new back garden and a new, a new hall and uh, living room uh, flooring. So that's what the stage we're at now. we we're doing it in stages, but yes, as Sean said, Castle Haggerty's coming on. There you go. Well, that's Tony's getting a new drop. <laughs> I saw that earlier, yes, indeed. Um, I'm just going to flick this one up as well, Tony. It was, it's just going back to the subject of like loan deals and stuff. And yep. Mark, he says there's always the flip side that, that somebody goes on loan, plays a blinder, and then they sell them for a huge profit, otherwise known as the Jack Hendry method. Yes, the Jack Hendry <laughs> deal, yeah, indeed. Yeah, I um, mean, that, that's... That's it, isn't it? With with every player, I guess you know that's the the risky run. But you know, we we bought Juranovic for what two and a half, mm -hmm. so like that, yeah. it's almost treble he's worth for a twenty eight year old. Normally, you would say that was a good deal, but when you factor in the World Cup and you know, but I was always and I and yourself and myself, Sean took a wee bit of abuse, well, abuse, but a lot of people disagreed with. We said uh -huh. that it would be. Kind of low ball figures, wasn't it? 
We didn't think they would get. Aye, the I mean, I still think seven, million, aye, I know, still think seven yeah. slightly lower than what I thought. Yeah, but I, I, think, I did say like ten to twelve. Yeah, and all we that. were saying ten to twelve would be more realistic. I still think that would be realistic. Seven million just surprises me, and I think it's a low ball offer. But if that's what Celtic are willing to do business at, and that's what's been agreed, then who are we to argue with that? We don't know if that's been agreed, but we're just kind of yeah. reading between the lines and certain. I saw um, someone saying out. about West Ham, um, they were rumored yeah. to be interested, reported to be interested, and uh, I think the, the comment said that they should pay more, and I agree with that because as I've said before, yeah, yes, yes, Premier yes. League team, oh, everybody yeah. else is bidding seven, now nah, you it's ten for you, like that kind of thing. That's German team's done it for years there, um, yeah. an EPL tax, and I, I don't see why Celtic wouldn't do the same. And to, to a degree, Celtic probably have done it slightly, but as always, you kind of get low-balled when it's an England to, uh, Scotland to England transfer, I feel. Aidan, do you feel 10 to 12 million would be more realistic, or even double-figure millions in? Uh, to be honest, I think if just based off sort of 7 million, I'd be hoping for at least double that up to 14. I know yeah. I had kind of mentioned briefly, I wasn't quite at the 30 million sort of mark that some people were quoting, but <laughs> I did hope it would be like neither 20 million anyway after his World Cup performances. But I would like to think that, yeah, sort of 12 million plus would be the sort of fee Celtic would be able to command. I, I think they'd be more within their rights to do that given the contract situation, given the evidence that it's not just like you're basing these performances of domestically in Scotland or sure. even I know he struggled a bit in the Champions League it's not like you're basing it off of that there's evidence of the World Cup playing against Brazil and it's sort of it was good in other matches as well we should say but obviously Brazil was the highlight against one of the favourites for the tournament up against Vinicius Junior who is one of the best wingers in the world somebody who struggled against in the Champions League but he sort of he clearly done his homework and improved his game a lot going into the World Cup so there's a sort of kind of basis of evidence there that he can perform at a good level and sell it in a strong contractual position. This would be the sort of fee that I would potentially be thinking if he'd only had a couple of years, he didn't have that sort of World Cup behind him. But like Sean's saying, if that's sort of the fee Celtic are happy to accept, we don't know that for a fact, but if that is the case, then nothing we can really do. But I would have been hoping for a bit more, to be honest. Sean, we are shaping up for a busy January, both inwards and yep. ins and outs, you know, so... It's uh, ticking over, as they say, isn't it? Aye, I mean, um, in terms of more incomings, I think you're probably looking at a striker, um, especially if Yakimakis is, is, is seriously going to go. You've already got the right-back replacement there. You've already got your other midfielder in. Uh, you've already got your left centre-back in, so I don't really think there'll be that many scout reports, put it that way, uh, throughout the rest of January. Um, but certainly in terms of outgoings, I'd like to see a few. Uh, whether it's maybe a loan deal for, for one or two or whether it's maybe getting a couple off the books permanently. But the squad is in very good shape when you when you look at it, especially without a genuine injury crisis. Now, if an injury crisis hits, you never know. But um, but I, as it stands just now, I think it's probably really just a striker, isn't it? Yeah. And speaking of incomings, Aidan, I was very impressed with Tomoki Iwata grabbing the mic and <laughs> speaking in English and... Saturday and a, a one of the biggest cheers of the day. That, that was that, that was impressive stuff, wasn't it? And good on him. Yeah, it was a really nice moment uh, in the stadium when that happened. It was it was great to see and yeah, it was probably a bit of a surprise for some people, but no, it was it was a really nice moment and it was great to see him just be here. You know, in Scotland, obviously the process moved relatively quick. I think was that maybe been less than two weeks after, or maybe just over two weeks after it was announced that he sort of 
over here and obviously would imagine he'll be straight in and involved in training from today or tomorrow whenever the players are back in uh, for this week and I'd like to think that maybe obviously the weekend will be too soon potentially the St Martin game might be too soon but for that Morton game in the cup I'd, I'd hope that he would be sort of involved even if it's off the bench same, the same with Kobe Ashe as well so yeah it was great to see him over here because it's not something you want to drag on for a while then it becomes there's not really a game you can sort of play him for a while because he's sort of trying to get up to speed whereas He's in now, and that Morton game looks ideal for him to get some minutes. So, yeah, it was a really nice moment. Sean, do you agree? Were you laughing at that? Were you impressed by that? I was. I liked the confidence. Uh, mm. uh, Aidan was there as a, a punter. Of course, he was off on Saturday, so he went yes. to the game as a punter. And um, he messaged saying, hey, what, I just took the mic. He just took the mic. <laughs> uh, and I saw, it on, I saw it, and it done well. I thought it done well. You've got to have a certain degree of confidence to swagger into Parkhead and take the microphone and, and just stand there and, and say, this is a great club, happy to be here and all that. So, no, I liked it. Yeah, indeed. And we'll get to see what both he and Kobayashi look like in the flesh and the fullness of time. Looking forward to that indeed, Sean. Yes, Kobayashi in particular, just see for the kind of tactical side of it. I want to I want to see what difference it would make having that left footer at left centre back and if it speeds up the, the way that they play. To be honest, in domestic football, the amount of teams that, that sit behind the ball and, and as I say with that pass network, it's always just the keeper and then not even necessarily both the centre backs, maybe just one of them in their own half. Um it might mightn't be that you see it maybe the difference until the summer when it's Champions League rolls around again, hopefully. Um but at that level, that that's the kind of that's where you're hoping that that would make the difference in terms of speed of getting it out, um, having that left footer in there. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see that. I'm interested to see them to to see Iwata, just to see the way that he's used in relation to maybe Callum McGregor and the other midfielders um, as well. But aye, tactically, that's the kind of thing I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing. There's a speaking of tactics, by the way, on the on the the site today. It's in the description. Alan's done a Alan Morrison's done a kind of an exploration into Celtic's wingers. Uh, basically, the title of it is Why Celtic's Wingers Give Ansbos the Coglo an Answer to Every Problem. But he's went through each of the different combinations, each of the wingers, what they bring. And it's, I mean, it, it's kind of the the advanced data behind what you probably already be able to see on the pitch in terms of, like, you need a goal, a badder, uh, a defence needs broken down, Haksabanovic, there's space in behind Maida, um, a fullback's looking exposed, get Jota up against him, that kind of thing. Uh, even Forrest, like, you need experience to see out a game, all that kind of stuff. But it's the the kind of the advanced stats behind that, the rationale behind it, what they're actually bringing in terms of output and why that is the the kind of what the eye test tells you and stuff. So it's really interesting. The, the, the links in the, uh, the description for you if you want to have a read of it. Sean, I'll let you wrap up because yeah, the change was in the background. That'll be the Varvan getting halved in two. Um, aye, uh, Aiden, Aiden, anything else to, to mention before we, we call it a day? I, had a, I actually had a, a comment starred, actually. Sorry, I'll, I'll throw this to you, Aiden. Uh, Steve, Steve McGrory put up, um, he thought Alexandro Bernabe's passing and crossing was poor initially, but he wants to highlight that his pass to Maida for the Jota goal was sublime. And after that, he felt he, he was much better and had a quite a good game. Where do you stand on Bernabe's performance? At the weekend, that comment probably sums it up quite well. It was quite mixed, wasn't it? He, he was getting a bit of grief, uh, really, when it was at nil nil because some of his he wasn't really having to defend that much, but some of his passing and his his touches were quite poor. Like Celtic would have the ball, he would then lose it. He then sometimes win it back and then lose it again. 
and he over hit at least two or three crosses. But he, he showed a really good bit of quality for the pass and uh, Maeda, who obviously was kind of involved for the assist for the first goal. It was a bit of a mixed bag. In the second half, it was fine. I mean, he's going to have a lot tougher games defensively than that than Komano, even domestically, because he just kind of sat back. I, I don't really remember him having to defend once in the whole game, to be honest. It, it was it was quite mixed overall, Sean, uh, in the performance. And I know, obviously, there's a, with Greg Taylor's injury, there's a good chance that Bernabeu will be playing mm-hmm. uh, in the semi-final at the weekend. Hopefully, you know, he'll be able to work on some of his crossing a bit midweek. But he showed in spells how he can be a good uh, addition to the Celtic team, but still a way to go, I think, in terms of being the final product. Crossing's always a difficult one because you can, without you, you really need to actually watch the cross because you can look at the stats and you can say put in five crosses and none of them are successful. But see, uh, like for instance, Hatati when he shuffled at the byline and then he flashed the ball across, I think that was a good ball. But ultimately, that will go down as a cross that was inaccurate. Yeah. So it's one of those things. Alexandro Bernabe put in five crosses and none of them found the target, but one or two of them might have been all right balls. So you really need to watch them all. And I do agree that he overhit most of them, right? He did. Um, but I just find that I just wanted to point out that crossing can be a weird, weird one to kind of try and engage because often they're not accurate. And even if it is accurate, some say, say somebody got on the end of it, um, but it wasn't a particularly good ball. But say Yakimakis just managed to rise and, and head it wide or something. That's a completed cross. That's a 100% cross. Do you know what I mean? But it might not have been a good ball. might have been the, the, the wrong option, that kind of thing. So... With crossing, ah, he does he does need to improve on it. I think his, his selection choice, Taylor in particular, get better a lot better at this with the inverted responsibilities as well, whether it was overlapping or underlapping, because he does still overlap, maybe not quite as much, but um, he tends to pick a low cross, which I think is a smart option because most of the time it's Kyogo that's in there. It's not it's not Yakimakis. Um, we've spoke before about Ralston. He likes the overlapping cross, but a lot of the time when he's playing, Yakimakis is playing, so it's it's a decent option. Uh, I I think there's there's um, there's there's an argument to be made about intelligent crossing rather than just throwing it in as well. Yeah, I think there was a couple of times it was a wee bit worried that his cross wasn't going to beat the first man, so that's why he then sort of you know put his foot right through it. But in the process of doing that, it kind of almost ruined the cross. But look, he, he's still a young player, and he's he's somebody else who's not played a lot of football. I know Ange touched on in his presser on Friday that he has actually played a bit more than. Uh, the sort of coaching staff expected, but overall, mm-hmm. it can be, because Taylor's been so consistent, particularly for uh, that run when there was European games constantly, you couldn't really take Taylor out of the team because mm-hmm. he did that consistency at left back. So maybe with there not being uh, any European games, and obviously you're after the semi final, you're uh, sorry after the recent derby, you're not playing Rangers for a wee while now, and with Taylor's injury, maybe this will be his chance it can sort of bed his way into the team a wee bit, but. I think he's still got a wee bit to go, but he shows and flashes that there's definitely potential there. Was his seventh start, Tony? Um, and I, I do think, obviously, consider that penalty against Arts, that I still don't think was a penalty. Yeah. Um, but overall, there's been occasions where you think maybe he could be exposed by teams that want to attack down that flank and stuff, but then that was an argument against Taylor initially as well. And the simple fact is that most teams in Scotland won't, one, be able to punish you very often, and two won't attack that much anyway. Somebody commented there saying, Tony, you got a cow in that house. 
the cattle closet they're calling your wardrobe now. Um, but I, I think Aiden's got a point. He's got, as I say, that was his seventh start. He's got two assists. One was the match winning assist against St Johnston for that Yakimaka goal. He played all right. He never got a Disney get an assist for this, but that ball through to Maida for the Jota goal made that goal as well. So there's definite positives there. I don't think there's any kind of reason to write him off, is there yet? Nah, can't do it. He can't do it, Aiden. He can't do it. I, I would I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you'd be wanting to write him off. Definitely not. No. Nah. And obviously we're hoping Taylor's injury's not too bad, but at this stage it's sort of probably getting more information in this weekend's presser. Obviously, I know Ange did touch on the states a couple of weeks, but there's been a few players this season that he said a couple of weeks ahead has been a wee bit longer. The sort of one that's been for mine was Stephen Welsh's sort of initial knock. He said only a couple of weeks and then he was out for a wee bit longer, or he's been out for a bit longer than that, I should say. So hopefully Taylor is all right, but if not, then it then becomes your main left back choice. So we'll, we'll, need, we'll need to wait and see. I'm just laughing because Tony's getting absolute pelters in this uh, in this chat. <laughs> Jason Lisa's is at Aaron Moo. <laughs> in the wardrobe, uh, Kaiser says he's got Chewbacca in the house. Um, superb. Um, I, I think, um, I think we, we might as well wrap it up, Aidan. Unless you've got anything else to anything else to add about it. Yeah, the only other financial just when talked about Aaron Moose. He said that I thought uh, <laughs> Aaron Moy. Uh, I thought he did he did all right at the weekend. I know mm-hmm. we mentioned off air that even though the goal ultimately ended up offside, he's passing uh, for for Jota for the. Uh, Kyogo's goal that ultimately didn't count was really, really good. There wasn't any, I thought some of these touches were good. I'll just be, I don't want to go too much into it because I know we'll be doing predicted 11th later in the week, but it will yep. be interesting to see who Ange goes for in uh, the semi final at the weekend because obviously, up until uh, the game against the recent game against Kilmarnock, I think uh, Matt O'Reilly played 18 games in a row. Then yep. he did struggle a wee bit uh, against Rangers. Alan Moy came on, did well. Then he did all right the other day, so it will be interesting to see what the manager does there because it's probably a win-win. Fans can probably make arguments for either side, and I'm, I'm sure we'll probably discuss that later in the week. I think um, Matt O'Reilly did well when he came on. Uh, unlucky not to get a goal again at the post. Um, I do I do agree with people when, when they say that he never really tries to put power on these shots. I have no problem with that, to be honest. If he can place, if he can place them in, he can place them in. The problem is they're not getting in. That's the, that's the problem at the moment. Uh, and maybe maybe short selection is an issue for him. But overall, when you're the league leading assist provider, um, he take, he's good at set pieces, he, he brings the off-the-ball work and stuff. Not getting the goal is almost the least of your worries, but it would be good if he could add that to his game, I suppose. And to be honest, any scouting report last January, when, when I, it was me that done it rather than rather than um, any of the other boys. And I can, I do, I, I'm not a scout, obviously, so I do it just kind of formulaic. So I'll look at his stats, how it compares with players in his league, but then the, the, the players that Celtic have got, but then what they said about him. So it's like rounding up quotes from people that have worked with him, people himself, that kind of thing. But when I looked at the Y Scout stuff, his shot locations kind of stuck out in terms of he was taking shots from kind of poor poor quality areas and different things. And his his shots on target percentage was worse than Ryan Christie's over the over the season and stuff. Now, I, I, I never did buy that Ryan Christie was quite as bad as what other people said, but he was prone to a balloon over the bar, I think, which kind of took people's eye. So I just I pointed that out in the scout report that maybe he shouldn't might be an issue. I don't think it necessarily was for the first wee while, but now that it's the only kind of hole in his game, it's what people, what, what people are noticing. And I think it's the only thing he's not doing is scoring. 
that's the thing. If, if, he, if he's not going to score uh, in this sort of current run, it's good that he is also putting up the assist numbers. He's still a massive contributor. So if you're not going to find the back of the net, but you're still contribute, your goal contribution is still so high, then I don't think we can complain that much. Uh, going around off with this <laughs> from uh, Anthony Aitken, who says Tony's just he's just milking it now. No, he's milking it. No. So, uh, aye, we will round it off there while Tony gets to grips with whatever is going on in Castle Haggerty. Um, I've put in the link for the, the New Year subscription offer. As I said at the start of the show, we're now sponsored by Seneca, Europe's number one hair transplant specialist. And if you want to check the... I actually thought with the game this week, guys. I thought it was a midweek game, so I'd done the rotor wrong and everything. But uh, the next game's on Saturday, so across the week we'll have different things going up. Features, analysis, the newsletter, of course. Um Bye. So check out the website when and if you can and if you subscribe because I noticed we picked up another few years over the weekend. Much appreciated. It goes a long way with us. Helps Tony get the drawbridge installed and all that. Um, so thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Tony, for your partial contribution. Uh, thanks, Aidan, for yours as always. And cheers for your comments, guys. We'll see you all tomorrow. Cheers, guys. <laughs>